Welcome to our midweek conversation from North Coast United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us for this midweek moment of, of prayer, of scripture, and motivation to make it to the end of our weeks. Let's join together in prayer. Precious God, be with us. Stir our hearts. Move through us, God. Speak through the scripture once again that we see what you are calling for us to see. Be with us today, God. Amen.
scripture today is from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was Coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Welcome to our midweek Bible conversation. My name is Reverend Michael Drew Davis, and it is a blessing and a priv privilege to go through this with you again this week. Last week, it was kind of an accident that this came along, but this week, I'm doing it very intentionally. And this may become a regular pattern for us at North Coast United Methodist Church. Uh, uh, another interaction with Scripture in the middle of the week and an opportunity to find that midweek boost to get to the to the weekend. Thank you for, for viewing this with me today. And today, we're going to once again look at the scripture of Jesus' baptism. But today, unlike Sunday, when I tied the experience into the three levels of Wesleyan grace, unlike uh, Tuesday's video lesson where I once again tied it into the three stages of Wesleyan grace, to today I, I want to look at this as a starting point. I want to look at this as a reality of when something becomes so real and so understanding, it motivates us to move out and to try things, to move out and try to accomplish beautiful things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, that's how I want to break it down. If you were a part of our uh, Tuesday Zoom Bible study, uh, that was my agenda for that group, was to, to have everyone share for a moment their starting points, to have everyone share for a moment the way that they found an, a, a first interaction with something that has become important to them. And that's the conversation that I would have, have like to have today. Now, for this conversation to work and for it to still fit into the structure of Wesleyan grace, provenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace, sustaining grace, I want us to understand that I truly deeply believe in provenient grace. I believe that provenient grace exists within our lives before we can even proclaim who God is, that God loves us as we're discovering newness, as we're finding our footing in who that we are going to be as God's creations. 
I believe in provenient grace. I, I, I also deeply believe in the necessity of a, of a moment of profession. I, I deeply believe in the necessity of a moment that justifying grace happens in our lives that we proclaim that we are intentionally interacting with God, that we proclaim our place within the message of Jesus Christ's ministry. And that's what I want to look at today. And today, where I very specifically looked at the life of uh, Sunday, when I very specifically looked at the life of John the Baptist and I looked at the life of Jesus Christ, today I, I need to look outside of that spectrum because as I always share with you, our actions are never our own. There are other people viewing what we do. There's other people that view how we interact with the greater world. There's other people who view what we are doing and what we are saying. And they begin to piece together what that means for them. I want to look at that third level today as we look at what it means to find this place in our lives that we take the active response of justifying grace, responding to who Jesus Christ is. And then we step out one step further and we proclaim and we celebrate and we find ourselves, our narratives intertwined together in the story of Christ's message of grace. Here's what I want to look at. Now, we talked about John the Baptist being the provenient grace and setting up story, Jesus Christ's actions being the actions of justifying grace, and then the story going on through the actions of Jesus Christ. Uh, today, I want to look at one of the servants of Jesus Christ, specifically the, the founder of the United Methodist Church. And today, I want to look at John Wesley. And as we look at John Wesley, I want to agree once again lay out that Jesus that God is always present and always involved and always interacting in our lives and i want to talk about a pivotal moment where we find ourselves truly deeply interacting responding to what Jesus Christ has done to us and then the wonderful things that happen after that if we look at the narrative of John Wesley's life as a child John Wesley was always present and always interacting with God. His mom would, would sit down and she would teach he and his, his siblings. He would sit down and she would sit down and teach John Wesley and Charles Wesley scripture and begin to give them the spiritual foundation, the spiritual backbone of knowing the scriptures, knowing the life and the legacy of those that lived before them, and knowing the life-affirming message of Jesus Christ. She she did that daily. That was an important part of John Wesley's life, always a part of John Wesley's life. And he gets to this point that he begins to live his life in such a way that it is a part of the narrative. And John Wesley, as a minister, a missionary, he begins to develop an orphanage in the Georgia colonies. Now, you, you may be ready for me to talk about that as being a moment of justifying grace. And, and I, want to, I want to not do that because I want to talk about how that there's ways that we are a part of 
the message of Jesus Christ, but there's still this place that we need to respond deeply to, that we need to have this personal interaction and this deeply passionate personal response to, that it becomes real and rich in our lives. You know, John Wesley was a part of ministry, being a missionary, trying to build this orphanage in the Georgia colonies and then in the new settlement that would become the Americas. John Wesley tried this and it was there was a failure a part of it. There there was something missing within his efforts that he emotionally felt. There was a disconnect within him as he was trying to figure out this path, this understanding, the what it means to truly be a servant of Jesus Christ. You know, if I pulled my own narrative into this, I would talk about, you know, I grew up in, in the Southeast. I mean, God is God and you go to church. It's very much a part of, of the culture in which that I grew up in. And it's a beautiful foundation to grow up in. It opened a lot of doors for me, and I am blessed for the foundation that I grew up a part of, the importance of church, that that people just believed in God. You believe in God, you go to church, and, and I am blessed for that. I'm blessed by a grandmother who took me to church with her as a small child, and, and my mom and dad went with us to church as, as growing up, and and I had this moment, this building blocks, this foundational laying of the foundational concrete that would one day become my faith. And I, I as a young child, had an understanding, God is God. Jesus Christ changed the world. And I had a really deep understanding that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I, I really had this deep, rich, communal understanding of, of what a, a faith life is, as John Wesley did. I mean, it was very much a part of his life development, his, his faith life development. He became a, a priest in the Church of England. He, he had this community and he had this structure, but there was still something missing. So we moved through this moment. And now for me personally, if, if I try to pull my personal narrative through this, I don't have this tumultuous, tumultuous experience that John Wesley had. There, there was a, a moment of turmoil for John Wesley that helped him have a realization. So as we move forward, I'll still share moments of of my personal narrative in this conversation, but it'll be slightly different than John Wesley's. We'll go ahead and lay out Wesley's now. Wesley, heartbroken, torn apart of of his ministry with this orphanage, not quite taking root, not quite finding its place, gets gets on this boat and sails back to to Europe, and and he's on this boat, and there's this tumultuous storm. And within the rocky waves and the and the and the st- the storm, John Wesley hears from the other side of the boat a collection of voices singing. And as he hears that collection of voices singing, his heart is is changed in such a way that he is able to understand to begin to understand what it means to have peace 
within a time of turmoil. That sits with John Wesley, and it stays in his heart, and he goes to Aldersgate Church, and he hears this sermon, and that remembrance of the peace within the turmoil mixed in with the sermon that was beginning being shared moves John Wesley to a point that he uses the phrase that he found his heart strangely warmed. Something was different. He had this whole life that faith was real and faith existed and then he gets to this moment that it 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 steps up to the next level it becomes something deeper and more meaningful and john wesley has his heart strangely warmed and then it changes his ministry completely Pulling that into my narrative, you know, I grew up in this whole existence of of a worship environment, always knowing that God was real, always knowing that Jesus Christ was real, and always holding deeply to the biblical, scriptural John 3.16 phrasing that God so loved the world. And I saw God exist within the world as a guide and a caregiver, and it was real to me. But then, in a church setting... I began to connect to a reality that John Wesley shifts into in his narrative. And it was, yeah, God so loved the world, but you know what? Jesus Christ loves me. And there is a reality that the actions of Jesus Christ, which cares for the whole world and the whosoevers, also cares for the Michael Drew Davises. And when I began to look at the faith narrative through that concept, realizing that Jesus Christ was my grandma's, but not solely my grandma's, my mom and dad's, not solely my mom and dad's, my aunt and uncle's, not solely my aunt and uncle's, but it was Jesus Christ was mine, and not solely mine, but mine. When I realized that Jesus Christ's actions were also set forth to care for me personally, I saw a really deep and meaningful reason to walk forward and to proclaim that Jesus Christ was real to me. And because the actions that Jesus Christ did were also for me, I wanted them to be mine. That's that heartwarming experience for John Wesley. John Wesley has this heartwarming experience, and it transforms his ministry. John Wesley, already a part of ministry, already a part of the Church of England, already a part of missionary work, but he still gets to this place that it becomes deeper and it becomes more real. My whole life being a part of the the narrative of God's love, my whole life living in what I now know as provenient grace, reaching this moment of justifying grace. And as we look at this scripture, we know that this isn't the start of Jesus's ministry because Jesus's ministry reaches back as far as the prophecies in the Old Testament. It becomes real as he goes through the steps that helps him begin to develop the disciples and to go out and begin a three-year ministry. Jesus Christ was always a part of it, and other people were aware of it. But then it becomes real and personal when those who were able to see saw Jesus Christ baptized in the descending of the Holy Spirit because of that baptism. There's so many beautiful things that can happen 
when we find our personal connection to something. There's so many beautiful things that can happen when we find our personal attachment to something greater outside of us. That's what happened with John Wesley. John Wesley got to this point and he had that heartwarming experience and then everything opened wide and was transformed. And one of the beautiful things that I proclaim because of this heartwarming experience for John Wesley, I mean, within this time of of governmental turmoil, we have all these dirty, nasty defectors going to the American colonies and we have all the loyalists, which John Wesley was a loyalist, wondering why and trying to keep everything status quo and trying to keep the rule the way the rule was. Now, John Wesley began to be able to look outside of that turmoil and still see how Jesus Christ could be, has to be real and active within, within it. As John Wesley begins to receive reports of individuals who are in the American colonies refusing to receive the Holy Eucharist, refusing to receive Holy Communion because it was coming from the Church of England and they didn't have anything, they didn't want anything to do with, with the King of England and England, and that disturbed John Wesley. Now, now here's what happens. When, you're, when your heart and focus becomes a part connected to the benefits of what Jesus Christ has done for you, it should spark you to want to make sure others receive those benefits as well. And John Wesley began to display that through his willingness of sending Asbury and Coke over to the American colonies who became the first representatives of what would become Methodism. And they share communion with those who did not want to to be a part of the communion served by the Church of England. And they open a channel to have a connection to grace. And all that was possible because there was this beautiful moment in John Wesley's life that his heart was strangely warmed. His heart was strangely warmed. And he felt the reality of who Jesus Christ is and was able to see how to live out that call in the Holy Spirit and to keep passing that grace on to other people. As I sit here on this video, as, as, as I have been entwining my personal narrative into the narrative of John Wesley, into the narrative of Jesus Christ's baptism, what has happened with me is the next step. You know, I'm sitting here, uh, uh, who was once a quiet, shy, 14-year-old boy, not really wanting, not really able to have conversations with, with other people. Here I am talking to uh, faceless hundreds on the internet and, and sharing this, this message of who Jesus Christ is. You know, within this the account of the baptism, this exists in that too. Now, Jesus Christ was always on this message, but there is a proclamation that happens because of Jesus' baptism. There was a proclamation in John Wesley when his heart was strangely warmed. There's a proclamation within Michael Drew Davis that when I said, I want Jesus Christ to be mine. When the Holy Spirit descended on that day and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. 
This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Doors open. And other people saw it, and they began to see the reality of a message that before that was only a prophecy. And then Jesus Christ could go and water the seeds and let those seeds grow and take root and find new ways to become flourishing flowers in the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a long, beautiful story, and it's a story of response. Yes, we exist in lives that God always loved us, and we move to this moment that we have the opportunity to have a response. And through that response, we can find newness and restoration and hope to do great things. And we don't just find it, we have this challenge to do it so that other people can experience it as well. Everything that happens after this point for Jesus Christ becomes the long journey that leads to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and opens the door of salvation for us all. Today, as we look at, once again, this, this scripture, this narrative of, of who that Jesus Christ is, this, this starting visual point, maybe not for Jesus Christ, but everyone around him watching, the starting visible point of the proclamation of who that Jesus Christ is. There is doors open of grace and love that we still rip, reap and benefit from today. Hold, hold on to this narrative and may the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.